Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr in Kills River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica's. I am Lindsay Shooters and I am joined as always by the rector of our parish on this exploration of faith during this time of crisis, Father Rodney Whiteman, the Archdeacon. How are you doing today? Good day to you, Lindsay. Through the grace of God, we're doing well. We're uh, trying to acclimatize to the colder weather seeping in slowly but surely. But we are very grateful also for the beauty of the sun. Uh, the sun is still around with us. And um, yeah, we, we the family all okay. Um, we just uh, had a very tragic experience in the parish yesterday with one of our parishioners, Josias um, Vates, who died in Sarepta Road on his way back from getting his grandchild. Mm. Uh, just opposite the church's parking area, he had a heart attack on the way home. And so um, we wish the family, the Bates family, patients who was a lay minister, his wife was a lay minister. Um, we uh, mourn his passing and um, we ask God's blessings upon them in their grief, patients and her daughters and their family and their extended family members. So that sort of weighs a bit on our minds. Last week, last week we had two deaths, um, possibly both COVID-related. Mm. And a mother who, Samantha, who gave birth on the Saturday evening and on Sunday she passed away. So, yeah, we spoke about that last week, I think. So uh, that that's a bit of um, uh, the, the the burden we carry of grief with our parishioners, and you know, um, mm. to grant God, God granting rest to those that have died. Mm. And you mm. and your and your you and your family, Lindsay. Uh, no, we are all doing well. Um, kids are back at school, so obviously that's become an adjustment. Um, I don't want to seem morbid. Um, or too macabre, but it was. I I got word of of that of that passing, and it was oddly refreshing to hear of a fatality that wasn't COVID related. Um, but my yeah, my yeah. deepest condolences to 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 that family. Um, Father, moving on to the service, which people can now enjoy in 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 limited numbers. Um, but they can make it to the, the church. Uh, there was a lovely Ash Wednesday. I did watch a bit of it on, on Facebook. Um, and the theme for this week that you have taken out of the colleague is make us faithful stewards of your creation. So I just want to preface this with something. So we all celebrated the amazing human achievement of landing another, successfully landing another rover on Mars. Um, which really is all of our collective achievement and not just um, the scientists working at NASA, because we're all connected on this planet. But then a thought crossed my mind, because this is the first time we are planning to recover, not the rover, but the samples that the rover is collecting. So future generations will recover these tubes of soil um, that it is collecting in, in the site that it is, and return it to Earth and study it here. But my problem is, it's like this is now the fifth 
it's the seventh lander that seventh man-made object that we've landed on mars it's the fourth rover and it's like we're not going to fetch these things again so we're just kind of <laughs> littering another planet now <laughs> without thinking about like the possible consequences and yeah we we not we, we we haven't done a great job with foresight on earth and now we we're pushing it out to other planets yeah so we we aren't great stewards <laughs> mm. i always wanted to know what the motivation what the motivation of um of exploration is somewhere within certain groupings of people there is this desire uh for what I think it's, the, it's based simply on what that thing is. It's the grass greener on the other side of the fence. Um, we are inquisitive beings. Mm. There's no doubt mm. about that. Um, what 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 will be the long-term benefits of all of this on Mars for the man and the woman and the child who struggles to put bread on their table? What's the what's the immediate effect of it? What's the long term effect? Given the kind of money you spend mm. uh, to to send these things up and all of that, the second thing that I would say is we we are realizing that the basic problems between us, such as racism, mm. even in industrialized communities and nations, we can't seem to even address that. And then, and then um, there is this imaginary um, enemy uh, that in the Americans' minds mm. of alien. So it's to find another source of life other than our own. But there's also the rider. Um, will the water resources that Earth receives, would it be substantial enough given that we are now over 7 billion people? Um, with the population growths, will there be enough resources? But given industrialization, for example, what has been the impact on mm. climate mm. change? And now a, a classic example is the Texas scenario, mm. where um, the first thing that politicians did was to blame and um, but when it came to the nitty-gritty of caring for the very people who were suffering the ills of this um, of this con climatic condition, you found that they were no, nowhere near. And the thing that came keep coming up was uh, when you serve in Parliament, you, your first port of call is not just about making legislation. Mm. It's about serving mm. your constituency that their needs, those that put you there. So the basic need, I mean, the great challenge here is how much money, well, let me put it like this, how much opposition is there to NASA and its um, extra earthly adventures over against the Parrot Climatic Concord, where, in, where under Trump, they, they refuse to sign it. Mm. Um, and other other ventures to try and save the planet. Uh, that 16 or 18 year old young lady from the Scandinavian mm. countries. 
um, making us aware of our she's not out in space. She's busy mm. thinking about what's happening mm. on Earth and how to correct something that is very basic to us, and that is the Earth provides our food. Mm. Um, I was, if if we look at, um, I think I put it in the service here, but something we say normally when we receive uh, the, the 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 gifts, you Lord are the, the source of life. Heaven and earth belong to you. You've given us dominion over all things. What have we done with that dominion? Mm. Have we really followed divine wisdom in order to know how to implement this dominion over all things? In fact, our understanding of dominion is to destroy for our own benefits. Mm. And so when other voices are saying, hold it, you know, what you're doing is destructive to, to us and future generations. If we don't know how to use the soil on the earth and tap into how we use the water provided for us, what's the water of Mars going to do for us? Which we still have to find a way to channel that into the earth. <laughs> and generations would have passed for that to happen. So the gain here... Are nations really trying to work together with each other for the benefit of all, which includes those who are powerless because they don't have power and they don't have money? Mm. And I understand your point. And I'm very much against um, colonizing another planet. Um, yeah. But I... I you see, yeah, this I'm between a, a rock and a hard place because my curiosity drives me forward to want to know the ultimate question is like, are we alone in this universe? And this is what we're trying to find out. So perseverance is literally there studying a ancient lake bed um, and sampling the soil to see if there's any signs of microbes that may have lived there. Um, because there's a lot of parallels between that and those con similar conditions on Earth. Um, so, like, I want to know those things. <laughs> but then in the back of my mind, I always have this this thought about, like, yeah, now we, we're going to do that and we're doing other experiments there. They have a oxygen uh, generation system that Perseverance is also testing out um, that will be infinitely more efficient um, than what we currently have because like the ISS, the International Space Station, we have to ship water there because to create oxygen in that environment, they are using up um, more hydrogen um, than they should be. So we have to send the water to keep the hydrogen atoms going. <laughs> yeah. um, and water is so a very heavy and expensive thing. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I think coming back to again this prayer that I prayed, uh, the recognizing God is the source of life, it says heaven and earth belong to you, mm. uh, which is the starting point. So when we think of heaven, we don't necessarily think of just the place where we all want to retire to after death, but we also include the various planets um, around us. We, we do want to know what's up in the sky. 
And we do want to know what's their benefit for us or our benefit for them. So there's that's a mystery that has come. I mean, studying the sky is something that has happened so many, so many years ago, mm. um, pre-Jesus time, if one could put it like that. Mm. Um, and we do know that stargazers um, followed the star in Bethlehem. So we do know that as part of our creation narrative, the stars are part of it, the moon's part of it, the sun is part of it. Mm. It's caught mm. up in the praise to God in the Psalms, for example. So there's no doubt about it. And then the Old Testament reading for this week talks about the bow in the sky uh, on mm. the Noah mm. um, uh, experience. Um, so, so in a way, we are inquisitive about, about it. D does that mean that in our inquisitivity means now how, and I mean, you were able to use all the mechanisms put together like physics and maths and mm. all that kind of stuff to be able to send something up there. But do you remember whether, Louis, whether, whether Mr. Armstrong did put his foot on the moon? That is a, that, I am not going to even contribute to spreading that misinformation or putting that doubt in people's minds. We did do that. We've landed probes on moving asteroids. We have, we've been landing things on Mars since the 70s. The Viking um, explorers first uh, landed in, in 1973, I imagine. Yes, we did get to the moon. <laughs> um, uh, like I, I, I understand, like the the propulsion system, the energy systems on Perseverance can be scaled up to create another energy source um, down here on Earth. There's so many advances that I mean that is the cutting edge of technology. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree with you that we should be spending our money to fix the issues that we have here. Like I learned this week about Jakarta, um, the capital of Indonesia, where the Indonesian government actually want to move the capital because the city is sinking. And that can be traced back to when it was called Batavia um, under the rule of the Dutch. And they tried to terraform it to resemble Amsterdam. So they had the canal systems. Uh, man-made canal systems because like that's the dutch have two great gifts for humanity and that one is commanding nature so like we have the vna waterfront and that whole foreshore because the dutch are really good at pushing water back um and then the other thing <laughs> is segregation because then <laughs> within the city blocks that they established among these canals they separated everybody according to like the slaves were together and like the different people from different regions or different cultures were all put together. And there were very little, very few bridges that they could connect with each other. So when the canals started becoming cesspools for disease, the Dutch were like, um, we're just going to move further away and we're going to start like a city there and you guys can just chill here. And then they, created piped water in that city, but nothing for the poor people. So the poor people started pumping water out of the aquifer, which is under the city. But because the city then over many hundreds of years 
grew and got paved over and everything, the monsoons and the rainwater had nowhere to go to refill the aquifer. So now the aquifer is being depleted at a faster rate than it's being filled. And the city is literally sinking at a rate of two meters per yeah, every five years, which is insane. <laughs> no, absolutely. But I want to come back to what you avoided. I <laughs> want to argue, I want to argue that photography does not always necessarily give you the action. I experienced that today. I was looking, we were looking at property that we would like to purchase for our retirement. Mm -hmm. So we looked at this and on the photo that we saw, it looked attractive. When we got to the property this morning, I, when I saw it, I just lost interest immediately because what I saw on the photography and I wondered as I was driving home after this encounter, why did they, what, what did they do to make us interested? And when you get to the place, it didn't seem what the photos had suggested. Mm. So, so in a way, although I read the photos mm. and so on, and I do tend to believe, I do want to just say that um, sometimes people will call into question to recognize how all of these things happened and was it for real, uh, which is what people do with the Bible. Mm. People do with church history. People do mm. with everything. And because at the end of the day, we're all looking for proof. Because yes. we want to justify yes. our faith on proof. And if we don't um, have the proof, um, then we, what do they say? But we, we don't often follow the adage that says the proof of something is in the eating is in the engagement mm -hmm. with that reality. So I'm just saying that whilst we're fascinated by technology, and, and I remembered some years, not many years ago, there was uh, this guy, an evangelist from America, who had come up with a scientific um, um, way of saying to, to those who thought science had the answer to everything, and he, I don't know if you saw the clips that, that the, or, the, or, the, or the video um, where he showed the eye of God because the, the telescope that mm -hmm. they now mm -hmm. developed could pick up things that we were not able to see before. Mm -hmm. And when they mm -hmm. looked in a particular way, there was something that was shaped like an eye in the mm -hmm. heavens. And they, he, he's, he's saying, you know, is that the eye of God? They were also looking into how our DNA is, this, is constructed in our bodies mm. and the shape mm. of the DNA, according to however deep they went to look at it, was in the shape of a cross. So he was using technology, um, science-based technology, to be able to let us think about our faith in a different way, particularly if we're looking for certain proofs. So mm. if, for example, mm. our DNA has the cross in it, is that very significant in terms of why we should believe in God? If in the heavens, now the telescope, telescope show it, is, is the eye of God, does that mean 
you know, you have no other, you, 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 don't, you don't have a reason not to believe. Wow. So, we will get into all of this. <laughs> we will get into all of this. Um, <laughs> if you could bring some calm. <laughs> okay, I shall First, do that. Um, so we can collect ourselves in the, in the words of, of the collective prayer. Good day to all of you that are listening to us from our parish and beyond. Um, as Lindsay and I spoke earlier on, as we welcome you to this service, which is in the context of the Eucharist, but because not many of the congregants had received the imposition of ashes on Ash Wednesday, we, we will be doing an open air service tomorrow at eight o'clock to uh, incorporate the imposition of ashes uh, with the Eucharist. Um, and we are able um, in open air to have at least 100 people within the boundaries of the church's um, parking area. But I suppose on the other side of the fence, if you want to stand there, you probably start the next 100 on the outside. But, so we do recall the, the call of, of the Ash Wednesday service, which comes from the book of the prophet Joel. Blow the trumpet, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. My sisters and brothers, the Lord of the covenant is with you always as we ask God to open our lips so that our mouths may proclaim his praise, we are then invited to pray together the collect for the first Sunday in Lent, year B, of the seasons of the church. And we pray this with the knowledge that congregations across the Southern Africa, at least, are praying this with us. If you're able to pray it with me, please do. It is on the, the words do appear on the podcast, as Lindsay had indicated already. Let us pray. God of our salvation, your bow in the clouds proclaims your covenant with every living creature. Grant us your spirit, renew us in our baptism, and make us faithful stewards of your creation. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Lindsay? So, Father, I'm going to jump straight through to the gospel because we did spend a lot of time <laughs> discussing the theme of this week. So the gospel comes to us as proclaimed in Mark chapter 1, verses 9 to 15. And it kind of tells a summarized story of, of Jesus and his manifestation. And then he arrives at like the point of saying the time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe in the good news. I have a question for you. So I've, I've been doing some reading and researching to broaden my understanding of other sorts of faiths um, and how Christianity relates to it. Jesus stands out as the only, I, I, I will use a very simplistic term, the only head of a, a 
religion who wasn't a warrior. Like Muhammad was a phenomenal um, general. And like, and, and, and. So then Christianity is a lot more passive in its belief structure. Like there's nothing built in in any way that implies that we should solve any problems with violence. <laughs> um, that then, in my, my hypothesis is, that leaves us more vulnerable to being dominated by people who can twist those words and come with bigger armies um, because they then have this God complex um, or at least the idea that they were gifted the superior ability um, from the divine power. And that has been used as a justification for many of the conquests in the past and many of the oppressions in the past. Um, like we have entire lines of monarchies that are based on this idea that they have been selected by God to rule, you know. Do you agree with that hypothesis? And how do we use Christianity to navigate around that kind of blind spot? One of the controversial um, hymns in the Christian church at the moment, and I specifically think of a con conversation in the Anglican church, should we be singing the hymn Onward Christian Soldiers mask, mask, um, Marching as to war With the cross of Jesus Going on before mm. And many um, Many, I mean I know Our bishop and there's other Clergy who think that that's A hymn we should no longer sing Because we are not pro You know when So we, we can't say we can say that in terms of who Jesus is and how he engaged a very violent world at his time, that he had a sense of passivity, but and yet it wasn't passive, but it wasn't an aggressive passive uh, to, to bring his message across. Instead, his words were that of proclamation and that terrified people. So he didn't come with sword or with all of those kind of things. Yet, you know, people would argue, why did he beat up the people in the in the temple when they were selling stuff? Um, that one incident sort of uh, makes people think Jesus advocated violence uh, mm. when the temple was being misused. Um, however, there is evidence that in order to empower themselves, the, 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 the philosophy of Christianity was used to colonize, mm. to, to conquer. Um, so we have those, those 12 conquests, if I still remember my church history, to the Holy Land. Um, and, mm. and, and also Columbus going to the Americas, assumedly founding at the Americas that's never been found before, but there were people there waiting for his coming who treated him with hospitality. The same mm. in our country mm. when um, Panribi came here. What was the, the main important way of colonizing people was to Christianize people and often did it with violence. 
But the philosophy of Christianity we had in that, because the, the one whom we profess in Christianity actually went to the cross to die for us. Mm. And uh, the, Peter, the Peter narrative says that he suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. Why? In order to bring us to God. Mm. So his intention wasn't to destroy us because we, we didn't believe. He already carried the burden of our unbelief by suffering for us. And through his sacrifice, through his surrender to the purposes of God for salvation, he brings us to God. That is what we acknowledged in the colic, God of our salvation, not God of our destruction. So Christianity will never be able to downlive the fact that the philosophy was used assumedly to proclaim the gospel, but the ultimate reason was to colonize mm. indigenous people mm. who is rightly so were not violently oriented. They never started the fight. They mm. welcomed mm. people from what my limited knowledge of, of history is. But then, um, as, it was, as it was said in our context, the missionaries came with the Bible in the one hand and the gun in the other hand. Mm. So, so how then do we... And then, of course, we do have this, um, this aspect in Christianity now of evangel the evangelical churches where they have no problem in using Old Testament passages mm. to propagate that God is going to beat up the Muslim, beat up the Hindu, and all of this. So they, they, their advocacy is still for war. Mm. And we saw that with Mr. Trump. But mm. we also saw it here on our own shores. What did the people of um, Major One do? They would not believe he's a fraudster. Mm. And so their protests did what their protests did. That mustn't stop us from really saying, what is Jesus all about? Mm. Um, and in the gospel, what I see is a movement. And the first movement was... His solidarity with humanity through his baptism by John at the Jordan. Mm. And the Jordan, we know, was a river that was crossed as part of the Old, uh, the Old Testament journey of the Israelites into the promised land. So in order to take us to the promised land, he uh, embraces the land. Which is corrupt by because because he in solidarity with us needs to get on with the journey to die for us. So we see the movement of the spirit. We see how heaven embraces him. Mm. So this tells us from a spiritual perspective, it was heaven's intervention into the into the disorder of the of the of the of the the world if we believe as we said early on the heavens and the earth belongs to you then mm. god can mm. intervene in that which belongs to god and 
And so we, we then, the spirits descending, we see the voice from heaven coming, uh, affirming Jesus as the son, which means the father, mother, parent voice. Mm. And then the spirit whose, whose work it is to, to, um, to, to work within the wilderness of chaos mm. that Jesus would find us in. So here we see not Jesus alone, but the whole community. He shows solidarity with our state, but heaven is, is a community of, of heaven that is working for the salvation of humanity. And what does he do? He, even in the face of arrest, and we, we dealt with John's arrest uh, mm -hmm. uh, on more than one occasion, Jesus continues to proclaim the good news of God. He continues to tell us what, what God really desires on the earth that mm -hmm. belongs to him. And uh, because we don't seem to get it right, the time is fulfilled when the kingdom of God, when the, when the, 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 the when, when God would be revealing himself in a, a way that calls us to repentance so that everything is changed around and that when believing the good news, out of the good news, society can be restructured according to uh, the reign of God, the very kingdom mm. of God. Um, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, okay. so my, my understanding is whilst when we dig through the debris of the Christian church's history, mm. we must acknowledge the pain we caused as a false understanding and we then need to find out what was this all about. And I just want to bring into the frame something that I that caught my eye in the collect because it relates very much to the Old Testament reading around Noah, is that word covenant. Mm. And I typed into the to my search station the word, is there something called covenant theology? Why, why have I not known about this thing called covenant, covenant and how much we have to deal with it? And when mm. I went through an essay on covenant theology, I read there that in the reformed uh, tradition of the church of which we as Anglicans are part of, mm. we believe in the, we believe in fact, covenant theology is, is, is the interpretation of the biblical narrative. Covenant appears in the New Testament 30 times, in the Old Testament over 300 times. Mm. So therefore, covenant theology, which was started by John Calvin, um, is a very important um, part of Christian the Christian journey, the Christian faith. And in the... In the catechism, in our prayer books at page 424, there is um, a, a, a theme called the Old, Co Old, Old Covenant, and it tells us what was the covenant all about. And it says, a covenant is a relationship initiated by God to which the body of people responds in faith. Covenant mm -hmm. theology then, then teaches us because 
Everything in the Bible is about God initiating a relationship with us. The heavens and earth belongs to you, yet you have given us the meaning over all things. When Jesus proclaims the good news of God, he is talking about God initiating a renewed relationship, a restoration of relationship with us. So why do we not speak enough about covenant theology? Why is it that when interpreting the scriptures, we should be interpreting in terms of the covenant theology? It's all about God's relationship with us and he's initiating us in that, in that relationship. Um, and one can see that when he talks in, in, in Exodus about you shall be my people and I will be your God. That's the covenant. How is that covenant lived out? based on the Ten Commandments. Uh, God helps us to see how the relationship works. The first four deals with our relationship with God and he's with us. And the next six of the Ten Commandments deals with our relationship with each other, mm. based on our relationship with God. And when Jesus was asked about the, cover, uh, about the, the commandments, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength and your neighbor as you love yourself. That's the, mm. the whole mm -hmm. premise of the... the, the but the then he gave a new that. commandment. <laughs> love one another as I loved you. Yes, yes. And that like that's always been one of the central issues that I have with Christianity. There are probably about five. But one of the central ones is um, if you say that Jesus... Like it's called Christianity because it's modeled after the path that Jesus the Christ had set out. Um, why do we then still reference like the Ten Commandments? Why do we still refer to? I I understand like the teaching of the history and how everything moved, where we lost our way. And then, then what Jesus meant as like a symbol, but we shouldn't be basing any fundamentals of the theology of Christianity on what Jesus effectively replaced. You see, that's the point. You use the word replace. Yeah. Jesus said, I've come to fulfill. So yeah. what's the difference between fulfilling and replacing? Yeah. <laughs> did, he, did he come to replace the Old Testament or did he come to fulfill what God had promised in the Old Testament through its prophets, through the, through the Torah, and through yeah. the writings? So if he's fulfilled so, it, like that, that promise is dealt with. So now we must look forward. We don't have to look back anymore. But, but we need to be engrossed in the fulfillment because that would lead us to what the intention is here, believing the good news. What's the purpose of believing the good news? Mm -hmm. A new society of the kingdom is then established. If we don't experience the fulfillment of what God had originally asked of us in the old covenant, then we will never know what it means to be living the good news mm -hmm. in the good news we believe. So out of fulfillment, what then comes? So if we trace the gospel story again today, a Mark, of course, is writing in a hurry. 
So mm. it starts with the, the, this starts with the baptism, the passage we're dealing with, tells us how heaven is interconnected with Jesus and leads him to do certain things. The temptation is there, but the important thing that follows this is what, G, what the work of Jesus was going to be all about, the proclamation of good news. And in the proclamation of goodness, it's the living out of that good news once you get people to believe. Hmm. So, hmm. so living the, believing the good news then leads us to live the goodness. And I believe that certainly is not just about looking out for heaven, but how do we reconstruct uh, the earth? I, let me go back to Mr. Biden, for example. Hmm. When he and whoever else was with him, um, the vice president, Harris, Kamala was thinking Harris. about... Uh, was thinking about the um, the damage, the moral damage that was done by Mr. Trump. Although people would talk about, you know, economically, he, there were some benefits and all of that kind of things, but there was certainly moral damage and division, mm. which is what we experienced during Mr. Zuma's time. Mm. For that nine years, we were all on edge. And what did Mr. Cyril Ramaphosa have to do? And part of his strategy, like Mr. Biden, was how do we bring unity again to a diverse people? Mm. How do we mm. assure them? And, and Mr. Biden's word was correct, I think. How do we, re, how do we uh, win back the soul of the nation? Because mm. morally, the soul had gone and followed something that was very destructive. So, so speaking in the kind of language he was speaking um, to recapture the soul of the nation and to work towards unity, certainly for me, it would be something that I would say, so what would the church be able to do, a president with that philosophy? And we see in our, how the church, the, the South African Council of Churches is working hand in hand with Mr. Ramaphosa to deal with the whole, the whole um, area of COVID, the protocols, mm. and also the vaccine in order to keep our nation safe. However, there is a part of the so-called Christian community who is very military, militarily inclined with the evangelical perspective. I, I mean, I'm sad that, that they have uh, taken the word evangelical and have in my view, in many cases, raped it. Mm. Because it, it, unfortunately, words become what, what, what they users, what the users want them to become in the behavior of the user. And so they come up with, which is very, very um, much based on the American uh, model of evangelism and the North and the, and the, and the African model um, um, middle and, and northern. Mm. So we're sitting mm. with this dilemma in Christianity. And we, 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 we're saying we're using the same scriptures to talk about it, but what do we understand about, about all of that? And if we are meant to read the Bible in terms of, of interpreting it from, uh, from a, the covenant point of view, mm. how are we then bringing people back to God. I just want to take you quickly again to another part of the, no, of the catechism, no, no. which, which, which emphasizes that. 
We also have a passage here that talks about the new covenant, page 428 in the prayer book. The new covenant is the new relationship with God given by Jesus Christ, the Messiah, yes. to the apostles and through him to all who believe in him. And when we look at what is the mission of the church, it's to restore all people to unity with God. That's the covenant and mm. to each other. So we're not only covenanting to God, but in our relationship, in our covenant with God, we're covenanting with each other. Mm. And there are covenants amongst us, like the covenant of marriage, for example. Yeah. When we enter into a neighborhood, there is a covenanting, uh, verbal covenanting of caring and protecting and making that community safe. Mm. So we're entering mm -hmm. into that relationship. And all these covenants are built on God's outreach to us. But you, you so kind of... You kind of underlining my point now, where it's like there was the original covenant um, with the the Hebrews, where it was between God and and them, and it's like you be my people and I will be your God, and then they so like the the thing about a covenant or a relationship, it's it's there's two sides to it, so there's obligations on each side. It's the same when President Cyril Ramaphosa started his speeches at the beginning of this pandemic, um, the family meetings, and he was talking about the compact. So there are requirements, like we expect government to do things and government expects us to do things. So we must pay our taxes and obey the laws that have been legislated by the people that we have chosen to represent us, or at least by the political parties. Um, only in the next elections will we be able to um, vote for individual people who are not attached to parties. And I am very thankful for that. Um, I had a fantastic conversation with Musi Maimani earlier this week um, for another assignment um, where he went through all of that. And uh, when, when I can share more information about that, I will. Um, yeah, so, and then we expect the government to kind of like handle all the social responsibility stuff and, 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 and. So the same was then with that original covenant. But now the covenant has been fulfilled um, by Jesus, who I'm just going to say, I was expecting you, I was setting you up to give me the answer in my previous question that, that Jesus conquered um, Satan. And then I was going to say no, but he conquered death, not Satan. And, 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 and. <laughs> So he didn't conquer somebody else, but he did conquer something. Very important, depending on where you sit on that. Um, yes, so now we have this new relationship with God that is entirely through Jesus. So for me, it's not helpful to keep referring back to the rules and regulations that governed the former covenant, whereas like now we have this love one another as I have loved you. What does that say? Look at the actions of Jesus, what he held high what he rejected and follow that path it's like yeah it's, it's really not helpful to be still saying that you know don't covet your neighbor's things and it's like all of that doesn't matter now it's like just just love one another you know as jesus loved which is unconditionally um like the dude literally okay. died <laughs> he endured a lot of pain right. because he loved humanity Okay, so so tell me, how did your parents raise you without reference to what what they'd come from? 
the wisdom and the knowledge they've picked up from the past and had to learn to implement that in a world that you were growing up in mm. and to help you found, you know, do, do we ever forget the foundation of the building? That we're only looking to the roof now. No, we are still are. we are still concerned about our foundations, and I must say, reference to uh, the Ten Commandments. The two commandments was this relationship that God that 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 God called them into. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. You will be a priesthood. You will be a royal nation. You will be. So it's it's futuristic. It's mm -hmm. not something we can just ignore. But like like for example, um, I'm fascinated always by um, not necessarily coaches because we don't hear them talk about that. Mm -hmm. But they strategize the game for the team based mm -hmm. on what they know about their own strengths and also about what they know about the opponents as far as they can. When they did not win that match, then you hear the journalist in reflection on the match would say something like this, the coach needs to take the team back to basics. Mm. So whilst they had a strategy that had to be implemented based on what they knew, they forgot about the basics and that's what made them lose the game because they thought they were in the future without the foundation. Mm. And so the mm. call back to basics is of, of great uh, reference because let's face it, you and I have a tendency to forget. Mm. We're moving forward, so we think that nothing of the past really speaks to where we are right now and going forward. But we will not have been here without the past. Mm. And so I find it a joy that when I think about these things, I say, okay, so where did this come from? What was the original idea like? So that one can understand why we are where we are, so that we are able to say, so what does it mean now going forward? Mm. You know, I would have hoped, for example, that my teachers at school would not have told me how to that I needed to parrot fashion uh, uh, study the content of any of my subjects. Mm. What they had to help me understand was why that subject mattered, mm. how to do research on the subject, and what are the main things we had to deal with. Mm. Then we study our content based on that foundation. Because now I know that English is what I'm going to need when I speak when, I'm, when I have a business meeting in the future. They never plan the future. Jesus' word says here, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom is coming near. He was speaking about something that was going to happen both, both in the present time, but with a futuristic understanding. Mm. Um, what you have to do in the present time, you've got to repent. What you have to do in order to, to invite the new coming, you've got to believe. The basis of your belief is the good news of God. So, so that when that future comes, you're ready for it. Mm. You're ready to meet it, but you're growing towards it as it is coming close. I would, and I would have been better shaped and formed if my education had that. But then we had a mindset of colonialism, the mindset of apartheid, which says Rainman and Swatman 
This is why you're levelless. The mm. bar has already been set for you. You could not think beyond that. That has crippled us. Even, mm. even in our faith, mm. even in our theology, we have become the modern-day colonialists from the pulpit and from the sanctuary. We've become the, 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 the protagonists of legislation. You say we shouldn't think back to the old covenant and its fulfillment, but you know how restrictive the church has become, all for the sake of power. Mm. Yeah. Instead of sitting with people and working through things with them, we dictate to them. In, the, in this parish, you will do as I tell you. Is mm. that really what ministry is? Is that what Jesus came to say? He knew mm. the world belonged to God, but what did he do? He proclaimed. What's the nature of proclamation? Evangelion. Mm. What's the nature of goodness? How do I proclaim goodness to my, to my parishioner if all I'm concentrated on is, so when last were you in church? When last did you give mm. your pledge? If you're not doing that, how do I proclaim goodness so that you can begin to do that? Mm -hmm. You can see the importance of doing it. But we are just like our colonial bosses. We are just like our apartheid bosses. And hence, we stuck with what we are stuck with mm. in the way and we have church. And that's the, the danger of constantly referring to old structures and systems where it's like, those people were wrong in the fullness of time. And we must allow them, we must allow the respect for the situation, the circumstances under which the decisions were made, um, but also be open enough to say, you know what, that wasn't right. Let's move forward with something that is, let's fix that problem now. And, and like that's, I wasn't probably as eloquent as I should be, um, uh, but like that's that's kind of the the point I was trying to make was like it's it's not helpful to have like those ten stern things where this new very simple idea is so much more freeing or liberating because it allows a conversation and exploration of what it means to follow. It's not like don't murder, don't do this, don't do this. It's like, love each other as I love you. So what does that mean? And then we can have these sorts of conversations. It means don't murder, don't steal, don't kill. <laughs> <laughs> but at least we can discuss it now and have a better understanding of yeah. why we shouldn't do those things. But, that, but what you're saying was interesting because now it brings me to the point of an experience I've had for the first time in my ministry, which was a very important experience for me in terms of baptism, marriage preparation. The point I dealt with on Thursday was in the collect for marriage, it says, Heavenly Father, you have taught us through your son, Jesus, that love is the fulfilling of the law. Mm. Love and law, your mm. argument, uh, love and law. So what did I so I said, is there a sense in which you can love without law? Does love create law? Mm. When you think of it in the context of marriage. If we have no sense of law or justice in the framework of a marriage, you're going to have a chaotic relationship. Mm. 
So I then used as a basis of discussing law, the Ten Commandments. Not because they were restrictive, you must not do, you must not do that, but because they've been fulfilled. Based on just what you're saying that Jesus says, love the, love the Lord your God, love one another as yourself. And I could help them look at, so, so now your relationship with God is the first four. But what does it mean, for example, when the very first commandment we have in relation to one another is honor your father and mother? Mm. What does the whole point of honoring mean? How does that relate to love? And if you can't honor one another, can you really say you love one another? And then I went down the list. The next thing was do not murder. So mm. how do we actually murder one another? In a relationship. Mm. Slowly. We can, do, we can do so with words. We can do so with um, violence. Mm. Uh, don't steal. You can steal um, attention from the other person. So, so I was fascinated by what was coming to my mind as mm. I explored this understanding of that God taught us through Jesus that love is the fulfilling of the law and the basis of law, I could use the Ten Commandments and the fulfillment, which is the words of Jesus, love God with all your heart, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So, so do we ever really, can we ever really move away from our foundation as we begin to teach new generations of people? When we, when we look at the newer generations, so all of the people that are marrying now are, are, are the next generation of people. Mm. What are, what is there, what's the foundations that the, the millennials have? Wherein, whereupon does their, is their footing found? In what are they rooted? Mm. They're coming to the church and saying, we would like our marriage blessed by God. And the church is the community that speaks God's blessings over us. Mm. And if we do that, what then should the church be teaching? To help them prepare for a marriage blessed by God. So when we, when we look at the whole thing about what Jesus was, was, he, was eventually meant to do, which not even Satan could stop him and neither could death, mm. proclaiming the good news through his death on the cross, that of God, the time that is fulfilled, the kingdom that is near, the call to repentance and faith in the good news. Good news is thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I see your point. Um, and to answer your, your other question, um, I've realized as a parent that um, my parents, my mother mostly, because um, my dad wasn't really around, um, made it up as she went along. <laughs> and just... <laughs> As like that, I am making things up as I go along. Um, and yeah, the, 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 the theme of the foundation 
my response to that is there are better ways to lay a foundation. And we are finding that out every day. And the next houses that get built, the new routes that we lay down should be built better than those that came before. But will it still be based on one sack of cement and two of sand? Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. Which is a remnant of the past. Yes, yes. Now there, there will always be remnants. Well, but uh, yeah. Um, this has been a fascinating conversation, Father. Um, I, yeah, would like to just bring it to a close. And if you have anything to add or any other points of reflection to extract from the prayers of the church. So in the collect, we give God thanks that the covenant that God has made is with every living creature. And that brings us to where we're asking God as he grants us his spirit, renews us in our baptism, that we will indeed see responsibility of becoming faithful stewards of all of God's creation. And so we could even start with or continue planting um, herbs and, and vegetables for our own families. We can start with peace gardens and we ask God's blessings on that which has already been started. We know it's difficult in that regard. We thank God for all the advocates of um, the climate change and how to to ensure that we have a climate that is healthy for our for future generations as for our own. COVID still is a reality, Lord, and so we pray, O oh God, who affirm Jesus as your beloved son and led him by your spirit to enter the wilderness. Be mindful of your mercy and continue to enact your healing presence and power so that with the observation of protocols, the compassion of carers and frontliners, government empowerment and the vaccine, we may become COVID-free world sooner than later. We are continuously aware of the violence that is in our communities. And today we heard the tragedy that 12,000 people, 12,000 women, in South Africa was raped from October to the end of the year. 12,000. We think of those victims, their injured bodies, and their crippled emotions, the anger and the fear in them. We pray, O oh God, to who we lift up our souls. We trust that as you make your ways known to the world, we with you will eradicate violence from our hearts and from our society, bringing healing and justice to victims. And in our prayer for Africa, with the victims of violence, we pray, God bless Africa. God, our children, guide our leaders and give us peace for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. And we affirm this peace of Jesus. May the peace of the one affirmed and identified as the beloved son be with you always. 
in conclusion, go now, my sisters and brothers, and live in the spirit of your baptism, even when you are led into wild and hard places. With repentance and trust, give yourselves to God, and with fasting and prayer, strengthen yourselves against the ways of the tempter. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst us and remain with us always. Go then into this week as servants of God. Work together with God. Go in the peace and love of God. In the name of Christ. Amen.